Hello, 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 and welcome to The F World, an F1 deep dive podcast analyzing the races, the news, and all the drama surrounding the F1 circus. We are broadcasting live on Civil Radio 101.7 FM in Abbotsford and streaming live on CIVL.ca. I am your host, Taryn Midzane, sports editor of the UFB Cascade. As always, I am joined by my lovely co-host, the calming center and voice of this podcast, Marianne Routier. Hello, hello. Marianne, it's not a racing week. So we don't have a, a post-race to break down, but we have the breakdown of all the drama and a really fun time this week where we get to just really do deep dives on the tech that we don't always get to talk about, talk about when we talk about post-race drama. Yes, which is kind of what excites me about the whole, uh, the whole game. Um, and as always, we're also joined with a guest today. Yes, our guest. He is back, the University of the Fraser Valley's F1 guru, ladies and gentlemen. Walter Foreman. Well, good morning, everybody, and good morning to you both here in the studio. Nice to be back. Um, as you said, it is a non-race week, but there's always lots to talk about in Formula One. And I just also want to say um, a quick shout out to your previous guest, uh, Rice. Reese. Reese, pardon me, who I did listen to uh, on the show, and I thought he did a bang-up job. Uh, great radio voice. Really, really brought some insightful <coughs> discussions. And so, um, I don't know, but hopefully maybe I'll get a chance to uh, meet him in person someday. Yeah, we definitely got to find a time where you and him can uh, sit down and hash out the, the the races. I think I think he we he'll have so much to talk with you about and uh, a lot to learn from too. So be good. Yeah, he was he was a fun one to have. I'm I'm still I'm still one for uh, you know we should just have an F World uh, karting day. Yes, we should. should, we should. Sure. I'd, well, I'd be happy to do that. Well, yeah, I have the perfect place to go though. It was my friend's birthday, <laughs> and he chose to go to Speeders in Richmond. Okay. And it is a blast. Uh, electric pro karting, they go about like 70, 80 kilometers. Oh, wow. That's decent. Hour. Yeah. So you really, you get to put in some hot lap time. Yeah. I was well, cruising. Let's do it. I was cruising. Nice. I can't wait. I want to go back so much more. I was putting in uh, their, their like lap averages were like 23, 24 seconds. I was putting in 22s. Nice. Getting to 21. Oh, I was on a 20 second run and then my friend crashed into a wall. And so we had to, <laughs> had like to slow down safety car, vir yeah. virtual safety car, everything down. I had to warm up the tires. I was hoping to get another good hot lap in, but they only do like 14 laps. So, so 21 seconds is the time to beat. Yeah. I've written that down. Challenge accepted. <laughs> we were doing it. 20, 21. <laughs> I think my like official fastest one was like a 22.1. And then my friends was a 22, 21.998. Okay. So and anything like, in the 21s is, is a good yeah. time. That, that's a, but yeah, they invited my friend uh, Nathan and I to their like pro series that they do every now and then. Oh, sounds yeah. pretty good. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. So if everyone wants, so four of you out there who want to have a good just co go karting, pro karting time, speeders in Richmond, it is a blast. We're not sponsored, by the way. Not sponsored, but <laughs> speeders, when you listen to this, please sponsor us. It'd be really nice. Walter, where, where do you want to kick off? I, I think let's just go straight to McLaren. Okay. Um, Marianne, a task to you to find out some more information on this McLaren car. Um, last Bahrain was supposed to be a two-stop race. Turned out for Lando Norris, it was a six-stop race. All right. Something was getting repressured. Something was getting fixed. No one that I knew, sorry, knew exactly what was going on. We don't know what was being pressured. Is that going to be a long-term thing in the car? So, Marianne, I would love you to break that down. And then the second part of, of McLaren is, to me, it's an advertising car, not a race car. And Walt, and I think last time you were on, we, we talked a lot about the holographic or the, the shifting advertising parts on the side pods, what that is. All right. Where are we starting? I think Marianne is uh, at yes. the ready. I'm actually super excited about this. Um, 
I haven't had a lot of, of reasons to kind of go deep diving into the technical aspects um, my own. So this is something that kind of motivated me. So of the articles that I've read, it, they kind of use pneumatic and or pneumatic and hydraulic interchangeably, which makes no sense to me because one deals with liquid. The other one deals with uh, nitrogen or air, depending in this case, nitrogen. And so uh, what made more sense to me, considering that we could see them pressurizing it with what looked like an air hose, uh, would be the pneumatic system. So for those who don't know and want to learn, and if not, just zone out for a sec, it's fine. Um, F1 engines don't have spring valves on their engines. Uh, spring valve system, it has a little cam, which is this rod with these egg shaped and when the tip of the valve stem is at the base of the egg um, the valve is closed and when it's at the tip of the egg because the egg rotates then it's open right but what happens in high performance engines like formula one is that that egg is spinning so fast that the spring doesn't rebound in time and causes valve float and so the valve stays open, leaving some air fuel mixture to be burned into the exhaust system, as well as sometimes uh, causing damage to the piston if it's open too far and the piston hits it. And so in the late 80s, Renault came out with this concept of pneumatic valves, where there's still a can, there's still a stem, but there's no spring. It's in instead a pressurized air chamber which is pressurized with nitrogen on an external tank that's outside of the engine, right? Which is what I'm thinking they were uh, pressurizing uh, at the pits. So, and, and, this came, and this came out how long ago? The, the, the system itself, so it's what uh, helped Renault win in 96, 99. I, I forget my history here, but one of the two. They were developing We, we can just say the late 90s? The late 80s. Uh, okay. A, a, 80, 86 or 89. The I can't late 80s, remember. there you go. But they were, they were coming out with this concept. It's, I guess... Uh, Recently, we could compare it to the split turbo in the sense of like they were the first to come up with it, and then it just became uh, and everyone in F one's doing this because um, because it was so such a revolutionary system. Like what made oh, it once so once they got it worked, yeah, yeah, because it wouldn't it wouldn't lose that performance that was lost at the time because of valve float, right? So when you have a hermetic system, I don't know if hermetic's the right term, but when you have a tight system and everything is combusting where it should and how it should the engine is running at full performance. And if you have something like valve float with the spring system or in Lando Norris's case, just low pressure, um, to keep those valve from acting the way they should, you lose a lot of performance. So they had to keep pumping him every 10 laps or else he was losing way too much performance and he was just slogging it, mm -hmm. right? Um, Which, of course, then makes him even slower because he's losing about a minute each exactly each pit stop so it's it's either um lose so much performance to the engine that you're just all the way behind and you can't participate right or and damage the engine right that's the other thing is that at this point um with low with the low air pressure in the pneumatic system the valves aren't responding the way they should which means they're not opening properly they're not closing properly and all of that timing is crucial in an engine especially a high performance engine yeah. um 
so yeah, they 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 were caught between a hard uh, a rock and a hard place, and they had to figure out like, do we dam risk damaging the engine and have a slower machine, or do we repressurize every ten laps and lose, you know, almost a minute at every stop? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's unfortunate, but that's that's what was going on with that, and um and yeah, and I, I really liked looking into this yeah you come into this as someone who just loves the technology behind this i do i i i come into this as someone who has been um in mechanics and in mechanical engineering and has unfinished degrees in both (laughs) making me absolutely the worst non-expert you can have because it puts me in this position where i sort of get it but not enough and so i like looking into it but yeah I think the the positive spin on that, we could say that you're well on your way to working in two different degrees in that field. Right. No need to say that they're incomplete. Except yeah. now I'm majoring in English. <laughs> just, just switching them up a little bit. If anything, I'm the proof that you really don't have to be an expert to be on the radio. Exactly. <laughs> or or on a podcast, really. Or on you a just, podcast. You just, as long as you have the heart and passion to enjoy what you talk about. You're good here. Well, and, yeah. and, and be well-informed. I think that's yeah. that's yes. a big part of it. And, and Willing to do the research. That's exactly yeah. it. There's a lot of information out there, but not everybody takes the time to go through it and then can convey that information uh, in a way that's enjoyable to a listener on a audible device, such as a radio program or a podcast. So good on you. Cool. Congratulations, Mary. All right. Now that I'm all hyped up. You're amazing at your job. Let's talk about Piastri. <laughs> well, I was, that's a perfect segue because I was about to ask... Did, is that the same problem that Piastri was having with his car because he had to retire? He had a DNF and retire early. Was that something to do with they saw the same problems coming up and they just said we're not we're going to retire it. We're going to see what happens with Lando. He's the experienced driver. See how many times what how much of a big problem this is. Is it a one and done or is that something completely different and something else will be at that McLaren has to really be worried about, especially with the underfloor underfloor problems they've been having. Yeah, I'm going to say unclear if it's the exact same. I doubt it, though. I didn't look into Piastri. I did look into Ferrari and why they uh, they were having some of the issues they were having. But for Piastri, I didn't look into it. Um, I would assume, and this is an assumption, that it's not the exact same issue. Because I feel like if they if it was the same issue and they felt it was worth the risk for Lando to um, just repressurize, they would have let Piastri keep going with the understanding that he needs to repressurize every ten laps. Which, again, as as a rookie, right, like this race was so important for him to get as many laps as possible. So I feel like if that was an option, McLaren would probably have known that and tried to do everything to get him out there and doing laps even if they weren't fast laps or winning laps i think that's a really important point because in discussing the problems that were affecting uh lando norris a casual observer might ask that question well why not just retire the car and of course the reason being you need the laps in they need those testing laps essentially what they became Mm -hmm. you know they could get some sort of information about this, that, or the other thing. They could get information on tires or whatever it may be. So rather than have two retirements, I guess that's why they endured all those pit stops with uh, with Norris. And I think with Piastri, although I don't know exactly what the issue was, it was some sort of electronics issue. I remember him complaining of having some difficulty shifting. They thought it might be down to the steering wheel because those F1 steering wheels, of course, are removable with a lot of electronic connection in them. So they changed. I think they oh, swapped out they, his steering wheel. That's right. They which did is, swap it out. Which is like, didn't. if you remember back in the day when the NHL didn't have penalty shots very often, 
and they always refer to the penalty shot as like the most exciting thing in sports. I think the the wheel swap at a pit stop is pretty exciting too to see that because it's of course very quick as all things are, and those steering wheels are said to cost like twenty five to thirty thousand dollars each. So they have you know at least two of them for each car, and yeah. you can swap them out obviously in 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 you know a tenth of a second or whatever. It just pops on, pops off. But I remember that's where the issue started with the transmission. Yeah, they thought it was something to do with the steering wheel because of course the shifters are also on that steering wheel. And then, as it turns out, they retired them after like twelve or fourteen laps or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 unclear when uh, when it comes to that, and it's it's also hard to um, to be sure where the triggering point was for the downward spiral of uh, of disaster that was Piastri's DNF. Um, and I didn't look into it. I, I I looked into Norris because that was bugging me. I was. I was really curious as to what yeah, they were it, pressurizing. It, so do you think that this is going to be a, a common reoccurrence? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm going to say no, because uh, this is, after all, a Formula One team. And so these types of things are relatively unusual these days. I, I, we talked about it, I think, on our inaugural broadcast about the reliability has increased so much in Formula One over the last few years, especially with the engines. And so, you know, at the end of the day, a Formula One team needs to be perfect or as close to perfect as is humanly possible. And typically they get there. Uh, Of course, in the events of a race, there's so many variables that come in that you can't account for all of them. But I would say that if they can identify the problem, which I think they have, McLaren that is, I think they'll be able to solve those two issues for the next race. But then I'm sure there'll be others. And that's that's what I'm I'm kind of that was my chuckle right is <laughs> I I don't I don't think it's going to be necessarily the exact same problem because right. I would be surprised exactly they 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 have really good engineers and I mean everything is trial and error at this point um, especially once the season starts so but I'm excited to see what the next technical difficulty is. I have no faith in McLaren. I'm comfortable saying that I believe there's going to be many more. And yeah. I can't wait to see what they make me research next. Because yeah. <laughs> like, I'm interested to see where the wheel brows come back in. Because that was one that I think every single, the last like two or three seasons, like I don't know, 2020 preseason testing, they mentioned the wheel, wheel brows kind of like being a bit crumbly. When we do, they had a lot of wheelbrow shavings off in uh in preseason testing, but a lot of team, not a lot of teams, but a, a fair number, I feel, of the mid mid team midfield had that because it was such a different car and such a different concept that people were learning. But out of the teams going into preseason testing this year, McLaren seemed to have the worst problems with wheelbrow shaving and and using the metal tape to fix that, and just didn't get any performance out of the car. Zach Brown has even admitted that they have not reached their development targets. Mm-hmm. And but this this is the age old question of this is a first race. How much of that is for the rest of the year, or we did not reach it for the first race? Yeah, that that itself is a good question. Testing in Formula One over the last you know three to five years has been a topic that that used to come up quite regularly because of course back in the day, uh, that is to say, probably you know six or more years earlier. There was basically unlimited testing. You could go out and you could test your car as much as you could afford. So if you had the money to pay the drivers and to rent the use the facilities and the fuel and everything else, 
you could test to your heart's consent, uh, content. And there were many, many examples of, of, of test drivers doing, you know, 100, 200 laps a day in testing back in the day. And, of course, testing has been reduced quite drastically to try to save costs. And I think this year also testing was reduced further from last year even. I think last yeah. year they had three days. Well, this, this year they had like one and a half. This year they had, each driver had about one and a half in the car. Not yeah. even. So if we come back to McLaren, I mean, not to give them an excuse, but if they've had l- reduced testing, and everyone has, so it's the same for everybody, but it just caught them out perhaps. If they would have had more testing, then they hopefully, fingers crossed, could have ruled those things out, those issues out in testing, and then we wouldn't have seen them in that first race. But I think because of the reduced testing, more of these issues are creeping into the car in the earlier rounds of the season. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, time will tell. I mean, we'll, uh, here's, here's in, in one more week, we'll know. I think, yeah, well, we're going to know more as the season goes on for sure. But I, I think right now my stance is it depends on the team. Right. Mm -hmm. Some teams had a bad start. And I'm sure that we're going to see Alpine, Ferrari. Yeah. Mercedes. Well, and and, and so. Well, that's a given. We don't have to say that. do we? That's just assumed. Yes, we do. So some some of these have had a rough start and it'd be interesting to see how they do without such a rough start. Some of them um, just have bad machines. Mm. And yeah, I have, that's right. They've gone the wrong direction or they just the haven't direction. executed. Yeah, They're sure. locked in for the year. Yeah. You know, um, there's going to be some development that happens, but not enough, I think, to save them. Sure. So I think it just depends on which team are we talking. Claren, my faith is a little low because it feels like this is more of a machine issue mm-hmm. than, let's say, for Alpine, where it was... You know, one was just being killed by penalties, right. and and the other had like the worst position to start in, yeah. right? Yeah, but exactly. still, still made it pretty far. So it's like I'm interested in seeing what Alpine's got. I'm less, I'm I'm interested for different reasons with McLaren, but I don't think they're going to make it as far. Yeah, I I'd agree with that. Uh, for me, as an F1 fan, one of the things that I try to impress upon people that F1 is very much a team sport, and of course, the driver often gets the accolades, and if they're not doing well, they often get the criticism. And at the end of the day, that's the person in the car on the track setting the lap times. But there's a team of hundreds, and back in the day, thousands building that car, getting that car to the circuit, and everything else. And mm-hmm. so it is a team sport. Um, which teams are going to be able to drag themselves out of those doldrums. And I know it's very early in the season, but we could say it's a bad start, at least for McLaren. Are they going to have enough structure within the team, enough continuity, communication, leadership, and all those other qualities to bring that car to where it needs to be? Again, I don't have faith in them in that regard. I'd say Mercedes, yes, because they, they did it last year. So they can do it again this year. It's just too bad they have to. Yeah. And then on the flip side of all of that, if you look at, at Red Bull, well, there, I think, is an example of a team that just got it all right, right from the start, because they just, you know, there's a one-two to start the season. Yeah. And they had the same amount of testing as everyone else. They had even less testing than everyone else, True really, enough. in yeah, terms good of wind tunnels. So yeah. we'll see if that has any repercussions coming up. Um, another thing to add with, with McLaren, it's more for me a question of what's going to happen is that, we have uh, Andrea Seidel, um, Settle. Yeah, I think Settle is, is McLaren. Seidel is the is Alpha Romeo. They have so I, much similar names. I got your brother's but, name wrong in pronunciation, so don't look at me. Yeah, <laughs> okay, fair enough. But so we have like a really good uh, a team principal who has a lot of history with both 
with with Ferrari with like but he's a, I think of research he had about quote, 20 years of of engineering experience of an, an ex- experience of going from teams that were kind of doing mediocre to turning them into to being a part of a part of the the teams that make them make them big. I think he was work with Ferrari when Ferrari was winning their last few sets of championships where they had a uh, in the early 2000s and into the 90s. He was in there with um uh Sauber when they needed to really rebuild a little bit and he but again, was uh, I forget where he was before he went to McLaren, but so he has the experience of seeing teams be on lower on the lower midfield range and then turning them into the higher midfield range. But it really comes down to I think you've brought up a few times is Zach Brown. Do mm-hmm. we trust Zach Brown because it's obviously the first year of having a really strong and dedicated team principal? Is this is this just a growing pain? We have like two or three more years of this car. Is this is this going to be like a continuous problem? Yeah, I mean, to answer your question, when Zach Brown first came into McLaren, um, I was quite bullish on him. I thought he would be good for the team, and I felt he was in the early days. He did bring in a lot of sponsorship. He did turn a lot of things around. He seemed to bring a bit more positivity to things. But a few years down the road now, and I I don't have that same confidence personally. I I just don't like the direction that team has gone. It's been quite a driver rotation there. There's been supplier rotations with the engines. Um, There's, you know, a lot of criticism of some of the engines they had in the past. Um, McLaren, it has to be said, I think has a reputation of maybe not treating its drivers so well. Um, Heike Kovalainen, I think, is one. Sergio Perez at McLaren, you know, took him a a number of years to sort of come out from the the shadow of McLaren. Oh, yeah, that's right. He drove from McLaren. That's what everyone says. I always forget. So, you know, uh, there's a lot of people that go to McLaren and then just are never seen or heard from again in terms of Formula (laughs) One racing. So and that's even before Zach Brown. That's just McLaren as a culture, I guess. But anyways, to Zach Brown, I think the direction he's gone, I think he's lost the plot a little bit in regards to a Formula One team. I think that he has focused maybe too much on the commercial aspect of it at the cost of the car and the drivers. So um, I'd like to see a change there. And I don't know if we will see it this season, but I know you and I, uh, Taryn, uh, had a conversation earlier before the season, and I felt, I I remember telling you, I felt that this season we will see somebody, and at the time we were talking, I was specifically referring to a driver, but I think even beyond just a driver, I think at some point this season we'll see a mid-season change in F1 personnel at one of the teams. And we haven't seen that for, I think, a while, especially with drivers. Uh, And I think if it's going to happen, it's going to be with a driver. But uh, if I had my way, I'd be very happy if it were Zach Brown. That's some, that's some <laughs> fighting words. A, let's just drop the CEO of the team. I I know. Mary, I'll let to get your thoughts before I comment on anything, Marianne, because I'll go on forever. But like, no, mm. I'm I'm uh, I'm anything goes this season. Yeah. I completely agree. Yeah, if, you, if there's a season to see a personnel change, whether it be you know uh, a driver or otherwise. I'm I'm kind of hoping for driver because I feel like that'd be that'd be interesting. Well, it'd be the, big, um, it'd be it the biggest shakeup. If it didn't happen mid season with Latifi, it's never going to happen. Oh, that's fair. Latifi, that's 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 a jab. Yeah, but, but at, the, um, at the same time, I don't think you can ever get rid of the most consistent driver <laughs> in Formula One. I think I think that just at some point Williams knew that they had the memes ready with him, and like you know what, let's just ride out the memes. He's going to be fine with that. Yeah. So. Let's let's see let's see how many more penalties are in store for Ocon. 
Yeah. Oh my <laughs> god. Well, Auckland, I think I feel Auckland is safe. I'm so it, sorry. I just that tickles me. That it's, it's like why at some point he's down. Why put more on? It, it, like, it got to a point of ridiculousness. Yeah. I I give them a I I will. I think we said it last time with with Reese too. But the ability to kind of say and to calculate that Auckland was was 0.1 kilometers too fast in the speed lane. Right. His, his pit crew started 0.4. I was, I was incorrect on that one. 0.4 seconds too early. And then he was half an, I think it was, was it half an inch or an inch off the hat, the racing hashtags at the beginning to get it so precise. The racing hashtags is a bit different because it was very visibly, you could like, you could really see it at the, at the picture of the start where how far he was off. But to get it so precisely in the sport makes it really makes it really fun. Oh yeah, to, that it, that they're watching that much. I think that out of all the consistency problems the FIA and, to be honest, this current regime and the FIA have been having, I find it very interesting that they're being really hard on this right now. I'm interested to see if it's more than one race. If they're going to continue being this aggressive and this um, this detail oriented to the rules, because I think there'd be some some uh, racers specifically in the top seating top seats right now. Who are very who are very lenient on these mm-hmm. rules, very pushy on, around the, around corners, especially when he has someone on the outside, and often has. I think there was a time when we were watching um, qualifying Marianne where you and I were just counting how many times the top racers were going off the edge, oh, uh, yeah. off, off the yeah, yeah. Covering, on the shoulder, well, on the yeah. shoulder and the rumble line. Track rumble track lines. limits are are you know sort of a different matter. The track is defined by that white line, and the, clearly the rules state what you can and cannot do with that. But the enforcement of that rule has been sporadic i guess yeah. you know they'll ignore it for some corners but enforce it at others the, the race director will usually say at the start of the race okay we're going to be watching as you know turn 14 i think as it was in in the, in um the season opener or yeah. whatever turn it happened to be so track limits are one thing when, when you talk about a, a pit lane speed infringement i think that's a you know that's a slam dunk when it happens i think they enforce it because they have the sensors for it the same to be said with the, you know, starting to work too soon. I don't think anyone, <clears throat> pardon me, turns a blind eye to that. Um, it just doesn't happen that often. And the same thing with misaligning your car at the start of the circuit. So really, I think Ocon, you know. They were all fair. The, pen- yeah, the penalties that he incurred were not sort of uh, arbitrary. They were not ones that sometimes the FIA or the, the race director turns a blind eye to. It's just that you've never... I've never seen a race where they've all three come together at the same time. Yeah. It's yeah. usually yeah. just it's, it's one usually or the other. Yeah. One. Well, I, I think I read somewhere that 2015 was the last time a driver um, got three penalties. Yeah, that uh, sounds that, about right. That me, far. Let I mean, me see. I I had it here. Um, give me a second. No. Oh, yes. For uh, Passer Maldonado mm-hmm. in 2015 to accumulate three separate penalties in a single race. Pastor Maldonado, the last race winner for the Williams Formula One team. He won in uh, 2012, I believe it was. And then that car caught on fire before it could be tested. <laughs> so I'm not saying there's any conspiracy there, but I'm just saying right. that the last time they won a race, their car caught on fire and then they couldn't test it for uh, you know compliance. Yeah, I think... I think I don't know. I think it's going to be interesting. It's it's all these separate little things that are making this season so interesting for me. There's there's penalties that are coming out of, you know, milliseconds. Mm-hmm. There's um random breakdowns 
that are happening with with certain cars that are like how is this happening especially with the the pneumatic valves you would think that yeah there's alonzo in a car he finally deserves you know i feel i feel like this is uh, a lot of a lot of good storylines this season that's for sure yeah as we're walking to the studio mario you said it pretty great it's great if you look past one seats one and two Everything about the season right. is fantastic. And, that's- and, and yes and no, because I still, I still, you know, I say that and it sounds good and it's a great bit, but I'm going to go back on my own saying here. And this is why I feel like Verstappen is almost untouchable. I feel like Alonzo and Perez could, there, there could be, there could be maybe a, a one three in Red Bull's future. Yeah, I think you're right in that. I think that there is still a little bit to watch at Red Bull. Um, you know, I think it was Jensen Button. Uh, some One of the commentators was saying, you know, it's not going to be a walk in the park for them. But I think they kind of always say that just so that people don't lose interest. But I, I truly believe there are a couple of things to watch for still at Red Bull. And, and one of them will be, of course, their second driver, Sergio Perez. I think he might bring a little more of the fight to Verstappen this year. Uh, yeah. He was much closer already, of course, in Bahrain. So hopefully that continues. I mean, he's been in Formula One a very long time. He's a veteran. He knows how to get a lot out of a car. I think his, one of his, I think him and Button, ironically, share this in common. They're quite good with tires. And so their tire management, and I think that's always served Perez quite well. Yeah. And this year with uh, some of the changes with the tires, maybe that's going to help him as well. So I'm I'm, I'm like you. I, I really think Red Bull is going to, run away with it again however i'm interested to see how much perez can bring the fight to verstappen keep it close or maybe even uh, snatch a couple more victories this year well i think like for for me i'm i, I agree too red bull i think is going to take this uh, pretty dominantly um no questions asked i i will say though i am interested to see where their mistake is going to be because mm-hmm. every sure. team, I think, always gets a little mulligan. Every team makes a big one somewhere down the line. This is the longest season we've had in quite a while, 23 races. Next year is going to be 24. Yeah. And that sounds like 24, 25 races is going to be about a staple for a while. I don't mind I don't mind that. That's a, that's a long season. but uh, And that just to me, that just adds more potential mistakes to be made by a team. So this year, I don't know. I don't. I really would like to see. I'm interested to see where Red Bull's mistake is is going to come where their dnf where their where what is it going was it going to be a crash i don't see it being a car malfunction i see it being a crash and who's the one crashing in um for perez i agree i think perez is going to be the story is the story to watch as the driver to watch in f1 uh for sorry for red bull f1 and it's not even about taking the fight to verstappen it's will he defend mm. um he's at a point <laughs> yeah. where you know he, there's been some talks about from from verstappen's father Jos verstappen and mark and helmet marco about sergio's uh about checo's performance mm-hmm. and some kind of unfair remarks about he's uh and and the fact that mary you brought it up before the show that i don't think in in f1 right now you can have cars that are tuned to each driver anymore mm. you have to have one similar car tuning so and obviously you're going to tune that car to your number one driver. So if Paris is Paris is a driver that likes to use likes to have more power in the rear in the rear wheels for defending, and and Max likes a clean air front that once he's in the lead he just does nothing but stay in the lead, and he can just punch and slice through air in the competition. That's a bit different than Paris's driving style, and if Paris is now going to be is now being asked tasked to both attack Verstappen but not overtake because they don't they mm. don't want Verstappen to right. to lose. 
They don't want Verstappen to lose. So if he's going to take the fight to Verstappen, now he also has to keep on track of a charging Alonso. Mm-hmm. And in, in a set of street in a set of street circuits coming up that Alonso's driving style up until really about the sixth race in Imola, Alonso's driving style fits well for those tracks. Yeah, that's a good point. So that's going to be the intriguing one for me for Red Bull. Yeah, I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I've always liked Verstappen. I felt that he um, he's just a hard worker. He works very hard. He's uh, he, he's paid his dues, if you will. He's had some results. He's had race victories. Um, he more or less single-handedly saved Force India. Um, you mean Paris? From, yeah. Yeah, Paris. You said Verstappen. Oh, did I? Yeah. yeah. Well, Verstappen definitely didn't do uh, any of those things. Uh, thanks. <laughs> Sergio Perez. Yeah, definitely Perez. Yeah. He single-handedly uh, basically saved uh, Force India from bankruptcy by more or less suing the team and then uh, that actually was a strategic move to get things moving and it worked i i like and, him as a driver and proved that La- lawrence stroll's uh, management style could work on his racing point yeah and that they could get the best of the car exactly um I th- he he definitely is he I, I don't think paris is done i hate to say this but i don't see him being a true number one driver somewhere no i don't time, either no but i don't think he's not earned it or at least earned the 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 spot for it. I would love to see what happens when Audi comes in, if they're not going to keep the Bottas and Joe, or like who's going with the driver change up. Sure. Um, any other teams coming in. But yeah, I think that this season is going to be very much about will or how does Perez defend uh or Perez defend and attack the number two spot. Mm. I think I think if there's a year for him to snap. It's this good. year. <laughs> well like you said, charging Alonso at the back, Verstappen at the front you know, and all this pressure of you need to be more aggressive and here's a car that's not fit to your driving style, but don't overtake because we don't want you to win. But he's a competitor and he's going to want to win, right? And and then just all these things that are playing down on him with all the drama and hubbuzz that's been going on, it just it feels like this is a lot for anyone. So when you say snap, what exactly do you mean? He's going to break under the pressure and underperform? I Or overperform? I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. It's kind of a wild card. Is he is he going to say, you know, F it and, and just try to overtake Verstappen, regardless of what people are, are telling well, him to... Is he is he going to, you know, do a bad judgment on a turn? Sure. Is he, you know, like it's, it's a little bit of a wild card for sure. me. This it's is a int- lot of mental pressure for... It's an interesting point. Of course, uh, there's a few examples, I think, of uh, Red Bull drivers ignoring team orders. And and to me, uh, Vettel and Weber being the most memorable, the multi-21, where Vettel overtook Weber in in, (laughs) the closing laps to win that race. And if you go back and if you look at the body language there, Vettel himself looked pretty sheepish after having done it. Uh, Weber, of course, was not happy on the podium. So there are those examples. But I'll, I'll add this to your discussion, Mariage. Let's not forget who's waiting in the wings at Red Bull. Danny Ricardo. That is <laughs> so true. I, I almost wonder, and I think a lot of people are saying this, that Red Bull brought in Danny Rick just to distract Sergio and say, hey, Sergio, listen, you know, if you want to start ignoring team orders, well, we're just going to bring in someone who won't. Well, I don't know. I don't See, know. now this, this, oh, I, you know, I'm going to say it because it's what I feel, but uh, it makes me wonder if there's going to be a crash with Red Bull. At this point, mm. right? Because there is there is so much pressure, yeah. And this is a precise sport. Yeah. Like, just look at the steering wheels; how many buttons there is on it. 
But yeah. I, it is it is insane. You cannot lose focus. Sure, right? but I, I think their team is polished enough. That car is good enough. They can win the constructors with anybody, like with any of us in the room driving the second car. They'd still win the constructors. So yeah. I, I think that they're just happy to, I would love to like that. Perez because I'm sure he's <laughs> I survive. getting paid well, but maybe not you know top of the grid. And uh, they're going to win the constructors with him or with anybody in that car. So I think they're using, it's just me thinking this, saying this, but I think they're using Danny Rick as a little bit of a nudge. Yeah, a little bit of a nudge just to yeah. Sergio like, hey, stay in line because if you step out of line. We're going to bring in Smiley yeah. Boy here. Yeah, and, but and that's that's what I mean, right? So there's there's that. There's the 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 pressure of you're replaceable. Hmm. There's the pressure but of... But he can handle that pressure. He, he's handled it a couple of times. Sure. He's handled it a couple of times. But if you look at everything, everything yeah. at once, that's where it's yeah, sure. becoming... It's, it, at that's, least, uh, that's why we're talking about it. It's, it's a storyline to watch. I think Perez yeah. at Red Bull this year is a is a key story to watch. Yeah, I uh, I agree. Yeah, and like to to add to the Danny the Danny Rick, um, I think that there's the two folds to that. I guess you know, going back to kind of McLaren a bit, does this kind of Zach Brown and this team kind of engineering struggle they've been going through the last couple of years, does that kind of lend some forgiveness to Daniel Ricciardo's poor performance? Let's just let's just beat around. I'd say yes. Yeah. Do we now know? Can we now say it's not just Daniel Carter was sucking? Mm-hmm. He's not. He's just. He's yep. terrible. He's a wash driver. And I think that's where Christian Horner. Uh, you know, even Christian Horner said to Sebastian uh, Vettel when he was leaving the famous quote of, "If you're frustrated, take a year off, come home." Because hmm. he. Because and he. So that shows that Christian Horner wanted Vettel to even to be a reserve driver. But the same thing with Daniel Rick. Horner, no, like, say what you want about Christian Horner. I have my own gripes about the guy and, and about Red Bull's philosophy, but Christian Horner is a great sportsman, and he's mm-hmm. a, he is an eye for great talent and maverick-like talent. Um, Daniel Carter is no exception to that. Give him a year off. Let him regrind. Let him see a performing car that he's not fighting for and he's finding this place for goes in. I think Horner knows how much of a talent Daniel Carter is, but also how much of a face he is for Formula One right now. Yeah. I don't think he's blind to how well he was, how well Daniel, even when Daniel made a super mistake, in my opinion, and going to Renault when he was inarguably one of the best cars he had in 2018, goes to Renault and Horner still is not bitter about that when he had arguably a championship winning team in mm-hmm. 2019 with yeah. a championship winning car and then had to do almost two years of who's going to be my driver to get me a championship that he wouldn't have had to do if Daniel had stayed to help recoach that type of talent back into it. That's really awesome to see. But also, Daniel, even if he doesn't touch the steering wheel or doesn't touch the racetrack again, yes, the pressure for Perez, but he's just such a good face for North America and and getting people wanting to like Red Bull, right? Like, I love Sergio Perez, but, man, that guy sometimes looked like a wax statue on all their on all of their, like, promotional things. And Dan, now that they've – and I feel bad that he's been somewhat swapped out with a lot of it. Now that Daniel's back in, it just looked there. Things look so different. It looks so much. You see people running to Red Bull stands. I love it because I love the taste of apples and jet fuel. But now, <laughs> but now people are running for it and taking pictures of the da- of the Daniel Ricardo sure. mannequins again. It's so yeah. Also an interesting point because Daniel Ricardo, of course, Australian by nationality, spent a lot of time in Europe, obviously as a race car driver, but also has a, a rather close connection to the U.S. 
He spends a lot of time in the U.S. I think he may have a home there. Mm -hmm. uh, he enjoys that U.S. culture. You know, he always says that Austin is his favorite race. He, he I think he went to the Super Bowl. He's been on Ellen. He's been on Jimmy Kimmel. He's been on all the sort of U.S. talk shows. Mm -hmm. So as a face of F1 slash Red Bull, yeah, he's 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 up there. I mean, Hamilton has been on some of those programs as well, but um, Hamilton has such doesn't a different... have the same air about him. Of course, Hamilton, yeah. seven-time world champion, has that air about him. But but Daniel Ricciardo does seem to be a little bit friend media friendly. Let's say. Yeah, he, he's he's got such a bro man, bro atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, that, he's yeah. the type of guy yeah. that you could just go and grab a pint with. Yeah. That's really that's well, uh, really nice to have. And another show that really helped out was he was on the Dak Shepard podcast, Armchair mm -hmm. Expert. Yes, yep. he was on there once as or well twice. as Smartless. Smartless yep. again, yeah. He, he, you're right. If if you're going to if you're really after a talent to break into America, Daniel Ricardo is the face you want. Yeah, I, I think he really is. And so I think that's so. that's a smart move again on Red Bull's part. Uh, it's good for Red Bull. It's good for the sport. It's good for Danny Rick. And I think it's um, it's it's interesting to watch though because I don't think they're just going to keep him in that promotional ambassadorial role. I think they they're going to really ut utilize him as much as they can. Mm -hmm. Let's see what happens next year with Daniel. I would I would love to see maybe you know maybe maybe we see a driver change at mid season with a driver return. Mm. Mm. Sure, yeah, right. That would be that be interesting. And where would he go? Like that would be interesting. Yeah, and put also him, put him in Alpha Tauri and just see if he, that he turns Alpha Tauri <laughs> into a winning car. That'd be interesting. I wonder if it's in his contract that he can't drive the Alpha Tauri because he wouldn't want to. Right, that's a yeah. huge step down for him. But also, let's just keep it real. When you mentioned about him leaving Red Bull, let's remember why he left Red Bull, or at least why I think he did. Max. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he, didn't. he didn't want to fight Max. Right. And he and I think that that leads to part of the problem with Perez and part of the Red Bull's, Red Bull's philosophy. Um, Max is just the champ. Mm -hmm. He's just the guy. Yeah. Like he's been he's been racing. He's he's been bred to be a racer and been racing since he was three and a half. Yeah. That is such a hard talent to come up against to go up against. And it was clear that they were favoriting max mm -hmm. yeah, for good sure. reasons for well, very good reasons. they favored the vettel over one. weber i mean they always do they have a clear number one at red bull yeah, yeah. even though they say they may not they clearly do and, and it's not just it's not just horner it's also helmet marco like let's not forget that's the big <laughs> one and, that, and that's where <laughs> and I like, dietrich when he was still around yeah and that's where like for me what i would love to see perez is i would love to see perez do one thing and this i should never encourage this is about driver safety but it's four bit so i stand by this i would love if helmet marco and Jos Verstappen opened their mouths again about how bad Paris is because they spent a lot of time last season and even 2021 kind of bad-mouthing the guy. Okay. But every single time that they open their mouths, those two people open their mouths about Paris. Paris should just put Max in a wall. <laughs> well, like, he, like he, it's he, just so disrespectful. It's so mean because to, to disregard how much Paris defended, not just Lewis in the last in Dhabi, race, yeah. But Which throughout the entire season, sure, and and helping and helping get Max his toes to get him to slingshot him into second and 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 take yeah. a fight to Lewis, to giving holding positions for Max to do tire changes to to get that the next step up in twenty twenty one. The twenty one season was a fantastic season for Perez as a teammate, and then you kind of disrespect him in twenty twenty two. And to your point of of having now you know there's always been a number one driver at Red Bull. There's always been, you're right. There's always a number one driver at Red Bull. And it's the one that's going to win. So the number one driver doesn't mean the number one seat that you contracted mm. with Mark Webber, for instance. It's the number one driver who's going to give us the win. Sure. Which is, yeah. It, and and they did allow, I actually rewatched that race with uh, Vettel and Mark Webber literally 
Saturday night. Have you watched it? Uh, not um, bad for number two driver race. Yeah. Or which one? That one? No, yeah, the one yeah. where he like overtook him. What is it? Like, oh, that, that was. Uh, I think that was Malaysia. The yeah. multi twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. yeah the multi twenty one. Yeah. And so I was actually rewatching that race because I was going karting on Sunday. It's interesting. And Perez does have a bit of a history of getting his elbows out with his teammates. He and put Ock onto the wall <laughs> a few times at so, Singapore. Right. When, when, when you Do said you, yeah. you want to see him, and I know you said it as a bit, so put him in the wall. But he's done that. Yeah. And, and and even to some degree, I think, um, against Stroll, right? When he was um, with racing Stroll. Point. Yeah, at Racing yeah. Point. So maybe some of that is still spilling over. But you're right. There's no there's no need for it. There's no place for it. And ultimately, better than putting uh, Verstappen in the wall, I'd like just to see that, uh, you know, Perez beats him outright. Because if you put him in the wall, he might put himself out of the race too. So, yeah. you know, yeah. do your talking on the track. Uh, beat him when he can, take the fastest lap, beat him in qualifying, beat him in a race maybe. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as we come up to next week with the uh, Saudi Arabian Grand Prix, um, you know, Verstappen qualified fourth in that last year, went on to win the race, I guess. But nevertheless, Perez uh, put in some good laps in that. So, yeah, I'd say watch Perez. Always watch Perez. He's always interesting. Yeah. <laughs> the fun. Um, jumping back to McLaren for a, a second, um, not necessarily to talk about McLaren, but you know, you mentioned Piastri, which of course leads into our rookie pool. Okay. Yeah. Right. Uh, and if McLaren can, if McLaren can get their 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 engineering sound together to at least just get Piastri to finish a race, <laughs> do does like how does that change up our rookie pool a little bit? Because we got to talk about like Logan Sargent had, despite not he had a couple chances to be points in Bahrain, but he ended up P twelve. It's a fantastic start for a debut, and, sure. a, and Williams is on a, an interesting trend here, uh, especially with James Voles. There was an interesting article of James Voles saying that he's not afraid to look at new engine suppliers for 2026. Whatever uh-huh. is best for the team, he's here to get Williams into into winning again. Yeah. What about these rookies, man? I, <laughs> I feel like Walter's safe. Well, yeah. that's how so <laughs> far, but wasn't, yeah. Wasn't, You're right wasn't now your first. pool uh, Sergeant and then DeVries and then Piastri? Uh, Taryn's got it written down. I think yeah, he's looking for it now, feel, so he can like confirm, but that bet. sounds about right. And when I made my picks, of course, I was factoring in the team chaos at McLaren. So yeah. ultimately, if you were just to rank those drivers on their driving, you know, if you, all, if you had them in identical, identical equipment in the same car, I might have chosen it differently, but I was really putting my faith in Williams' ability to make something of themselves this season, as well as McLaren's ability to not make something of themselves this season. So that's where my picks came yeah. from. So for the listeners who don't know, uh, here at the F World, we have a rookie pool to see which of the three rookies are going to do arguably the best yeah. and where they're going to place on the on the totem pole uh, at the end of the season. So Walter chose Sergeant uh, Logan Sargent. Nick DeVries and Piastri in that order. Marianne was Piastri, Logan Sargent, and uh, Nick DeVries, which I think that in any other circumstance, that is the correct order that you would take them in. Let's let's add that I did this to be a contrarian. Sure. Okay. Uh, and then I chose uh, Logan Sargent, Oscar Piastri, and Nick DeVries, but I said Sargent only by single digits, mm-hmm. single to double digits. Yep against Piastri, and then uh, Reese did the same. So Sergeant Piastri, DeVries. Okay. And I think that was mainly just because of our um, watching of AlphaTauri and the fact that, like, no matter what AlphaTauri, AlphaTauri is Red Bull's clothing brand. Mm-hmm. They're not at, they're not there to to win, in my opinion. I mean, everyone says they're there to win, they're mm-hmm. there to win, we're here to win. <laughs> I don't see, I don't see that 
ever being a team that wins unless you have five DNFs and at Monza again. Yeah, yeah, they um, they have one, but they're not a winning team. Yeah, exactly. And I want to see you face to face with someone who works for AlphaTauri. Me against them? Oh. Oh. No, just just face to face. Just you saying this, and I'm going. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, honestly, I I think it's pretty clear. Like when Red Bull bought, I think it was Minardi that they bought. Totally. It became yeah. uh, Toro Rosso in its first iteration of the sort of Red Bull second team. Yeah. I think it was clear even from them from that time. It was a development team. It was a second team. It's to have drivers get seat time. It's to, you know, work some things out on a car before it maybe goes on the uh, main car. But I don't know if they can still do that. But definitely it's a, it's a development team in terms of getting drivers seat time, time in the seat practice laps and you know we've seen that uh, of course Verstappen was at whatever they were called when he was there he was at Toro Rosso Rosso. yeah Yeah, I I forget they've had a few different names that team so um, I think they've had three names in their um, since Red Bull has owned them so Verstappen was there Daniel Ricciardo was there Gasly was there Albon was there I mean they've they've had a lot of talent in that team Vettel pretty much everyone that that Red Bull drafts to use um, to use uh, North American sports jargon Everyone that they, that they draft always seems to kind of pop up into that kind of area. I would love another team to buy it so that Red Bull doesn't have two teams. I think <laughs> I, I think part of the, I think part of the, the fun of having rookies is that they don't have a team to spend their rookie contract learning to be a racer in. Mm. They're coming in fresh, right out of Formula Two, yeah, hungry to perform and learning the the consequences of overperforming and underperforming. So. Um, that'd be interesting. Red Bull, obviously, obviously, I said like they're not interested in selling the team. Who knows? There's a lot of money in selling an F1 team right now. It's a hot commodity. Everyone wants one. Yeah, um, I, I don't think that they would. It would be interesting, but I really don't think that they would. I think that team has served them pretty well. I think they're pretty happy with it. Um, but yeah, again, it'd be really interesting to see it happen. And if someone came with enough money, everything's for sale if the price is right. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm looking it up here, and it, it was Minardi until 2005. Then it became Toro Rosso, yeah. and then it became AlphaTauri or Scudera yeah. AlphaTauri right. in 2019. Okay. Yeah. And now it's just AlphaTauri. AlphaTauri. Yeah. AlphaTauri. yeah. Um, I kind of wanted to talk about a story that I've seen uh, a few times in in Bahrain, but not really a lot of deep dives on it, and uh, kind of the same respect that's deserved of, say, Fernando Alonso, and, and that's... I want to talk about Pierre Gasly to, to the two of you, Walter and Marianne, because Gasly, I feel he's had a grindy and, and like a really tough like go with with F one, both both good and bad. Had a rough year at Red Bull, had a like you know a mediocre kind of a, a nice. He won in Monza in twenty twenty, I believe it was. Won in Monza, one of those. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sure right off the bat. I should know yeah. if I'm talking about this guy, but uh, and then kind of had a, the traditional AlphaTauri season, <laughs> and then. Coming back into 2023 on a new team, kind of getting rid of the pressure of wanting to get that Red Bull seat. Now he can kind of really make a name for himself. Um, he had a pretty, let's be honest, kind of crappy qualifying for whatever reason. He got bumped down to P20. And qualifying was is super, super close this this season. But P20 to P9. Yes, with DNFs in, in the safety car to bunch things up. All that encountered. But he, he's fighting. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to, Shed some light because Walter, you and I have always had a, a love for Pierre ever since he wrote that beautiful letter uh, about his friend's death, uh, yeah. uh, Antoine Hubert. And it was died at Spa, was it? Spa I, I don't recall Barcelona? the track. I recall it being in 2019. 
Um, he had the accident there, Uber, that is, uh, that ultimately led to his uh, passing away. Uh, and you're right, after that, Gasly had uh, penned, and I forget where this letter was published, but, you know, it makes the rounds on the Internet as well. And after I read that, I, I really had a, a better understanding of Gasly as a person and as a driver. And because I had that better understanding, I had a better appreciation for him as well. And then it was the next year that he did win. You're right. It was 2020 at the Italian Grand Prix uh, where he had his first and so far only race win. No, he's a good he's a good driver. And I think that, like you said, just the, the P20 to P9, right? That's what's going to make it interesting, uh, I feel, for, for the upcoming race is that if he doesn't do badly in qualifying and um, and gets up there, what's... Uh, how many more P's can he get ahead? That that's that's not. That's an important. That's an important point because uh, him starting in in P twenty, uh, that's not where that car should start, right? Oh. And and so, by him getting up to P nine shows the pace in the car. Yeah. So had he qualified better, uh, either where he should be in that car, which I don't know exactly where it is, but it's certainly not P twenty, uh, or if he had, uh, you know. If he had qualified better, we'd see prob- probably a better result in the race as well. Better than P9. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, we have nothing to, to gauge Ocon on. So I'm going to skip over that. But Alpine is one of the teams that I'm pleasantly surprised with this year. And even though they had a rough start, because calculating that rough start with the fact that we didn't really see much from one contender and the other driver started so far behind, made it so far forward, it's it speaks magnitudes as to the hopes I have when he qualifies much closer to the top. I'm not going like, to say that he's going to be a P5, P6 qualifier. I think that he's. I think Gasly is going to remain like a nice, healthy P nine, P ten type of person, type of type of racer. Just because in that position, you really have already P one through P eight spoken for, with with the four teams. But that doesn't mean that they can't be contenders for it. And and to kind of what you said, you know, you can't really talk much about Alcon. But I think with the fact that the race pace is there in the car with Gasly, the two drivers have very similar techniques, very similar kind of experience levels. So I think that. We can talk to about what what Ocon could have because Gazi did so well. Yeah, I, I I mean I suppose, but I'd I'd have to see the next race and and hopefully see him race in it. Yeah, yeah. and I think we alluded to this uh, in our inaugural broadcast last time I was on air. I felt at least that Alpine certainly underperformed at that race. Uh, there seemed to be a lot of expectations for that team this year. And certainly we didn't see it there. We didn't really see it in testing either, I don't recall. So I, I think, yeah, there's a lot to watch for at the next race. Yeah. I mean, overall, I mean, everything we've seen is one race, and it wasn't, apart from Red Bull, it really wasn't, it didn't go according to a script, if you will. And I'm not saying there's a script to F1. This is not a conspiracy theory. Yeah. I'm using that as just a general <laughs> expression. Things didn't go to plan. Yeah. Um, but nevertheless, I'm really curious to see what they do in the next race. Uh, they do, I was just looking it up here to make sure I had it right. Alcon is a race winner. He did win in 2021, the Hungarian Grand Prix. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, both, both he and Gasly have won races. They deserve their seats, of course. Yeah. Um, there's some money in that team. There's some engineering in that car. Um, yeah, it'll be good to see. But, you know, that is the team that Alonso left. So, again, mm-hmm. I'll bring that question. You know, he left for that statement. He left for a reason. 
And was the reason just greener pastures on the other side? Or was the reason brown pastures at Alpine? Because <laughs> they're green cars. Thank you. Oh. I love it. That, that was that too one, big. That, that one was quicker than the Gasly one that we had in our Oh, um, God, yeah. that Discord. took me for so yeah. long. Oh, yeah, the yeah. Pepto-Bismo and yeah. the... Yeah, and the Gasly, uh, yeah. Gasly, yeah. Gasly. I, I laughed for that. I think I chuckled to that for like a solid 20 minutes. Nice. Yeah, Just that, like, <laughs> that took me, what, a day and a half to get that <laughs> yeah. joke? Better late than never. <laughs> That's actually a good one. We also have, for the listeners, uh, we also, obviously we have the social medias, but we also have a Discord. You can join the server if you want. Uh, Do we have a link for that yet? Yeah. Are you promoting something that we don't have a link for yet? No, we definitely have, we have a link for every single time you make a Discord. You get a little customer link in. Yeah, but do you have the there. link up on the... The link tree? Uh, yeah. 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 Or oh. certainly it's searching it's okay. for the F-World okay. on Discord. I'm just would turn it up. You, yep. you work searching, searching for the F-World uh, on Discord, but we'll turn it up. You there can hit go. the link tree. If you follow the Instagram and Twitter, the, it should be in the link tree. If it's not, email me at the fworld.pod at gmail.com, and I will get make sure that I yell at the people to get that up correctly yeah um then i'll get shut down but that's not the point okay. the point is no, is that it should be up there so you guys can find that if you're if you're already a follower and listener you should be able to find it quite easily join yeah. the discussion join have, the community join the community we have a, a our own little section subsection for just the rookie pool pools <laughs> yes we so do the rookie and paint pools we got to have a lot more people i love to get other people's thoughts on what's going to happen and the reasons why they they choose what they choose but jumping back to alpine uh quickly on to that um yeah to, to your to your question walt walter i'm i'm not sure i i think there was also some you know internal struggles worth with what fernando likes mm-hmm. what, not, what yeah, alonso sure. likes on, on a team and how he and, likes to be treated yeah his position yeah, yeah. and <laughs> I, I think that to a point gasly is at a i'm happy to be in a competitive car i'm here to prove that i can drive the competitive car i'm not here to destroy my teammate i'm here to just be the best that i can and whether that changes things with Ocon, like because Ocon still has the same amount of Willie won't he like his teammates, and apparently him and Pierre have a little bit of a beef in their in their racing history when they were younger. That's apparently squashed. I'm trying not to keep that into keep that and put that into a part of the perspective here. I just I don't know who knows what's going to happen. It's still a long season, but I definitely think that Alpine's in the top tier of, is proving that they are still in the top tier of the mid teams and fighting for fourth. I think that that's kind of what's going on this year, which again is why I'm excited is that we don't really have a top like we do. We have Red Bull, but everything below that is kind of up for grabs. It seems. Yeah. The big three right? are all in the big fighting. three are no longer the big three. Yeah. Like there's the big one. And then the other two have somehow, gotten down a peg and then a bunch of the mid has gotten up a pig a peg which i feel was which has made this like free for all right where it's like i don't i don't know if we're looking at fourth or fifth place right let's let's say let's say sixth place in a race or the constructors in in a race okay right in a race sixth place we could be looking at alfa romeo we could be looking at alpine we could be looking at aston martin we could be looking at Ferrari. We could be looking at Mercedes. Right? And that, that goes from sixth to, to third to ninth. The 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 midfield has grown from mid into second field ish. Right? Where it's like there's Red Bull and then after P two, we don't know what to expect. 
you put a little disrespect on my man Logan Sargent there because I think that Alex Alvin and Logan Sargent because I feel like if any if there's some scrappy midfield fights mm. that you might see a crash, you might see a safety car, you might see a, a really bad pit stop or or a, a forced pit stop. I think you you could see Albin and and Logan getting the, getting into the points and Williams is looking. Um, still really slow and a little kind of bumpy yeah, in the corners. I didn't but mean to diss on on Williams. No, Williams no, is not. definitely just, definitely in there. Yeah, it's um, hard. It's hard to remember that Williams is is in a point fighting <laughs> spot this season. It's sure, hard to it's, remember it's, there's it's, Williams. It's been so long, but you know there are ten teams on the grid. Each car has two t or each two drivers. Thank you. Each ten teams on the grid. Each team has two cars. So you know the top six could theoretically be just you know three teams right two two drivers from red bull two drivers from whoever two drivers from whoever doubt taking it. it down to six but yeah I, I i agree i doubt it i don't think you're going to see that i think mercedes still up in the air ferrari yeah probably up in the air um if- red bull probably not they're going to see a lot of one twos this year i think but then after that three four five and six i think you'll see a lot of uh, a lot of parody, which should be interesting, good for fans, good for the sport, um, and I'm looking forward to it if it comes to comes to be. Yeah, like if if we were to paint a picture, right, and have the top, the middle, and the low, I think that out of the ten teams, we have one team at the top, we have three teams at the bottom, mm-hmm. right. That that leaves us with six teams in the middle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and right, we, and s- and they're going from low mid to high mid to yeah, everywhere sure. in between. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be I, I'm I'm stuck on predictions. Yeah. But like, and because it's so exciting, I mean, I don't want to say it because you know Red Bull is so dominant. But do we get our hopes up for a surprise winner this this season? Oh yeah, a surprise. And like, I'm still hoping it's Joe. I really want Joe Guanyu. I would love to see a Joe Guanyu win with a George Russell shared podium yeah i would cry out of happiness sure. for the two of them i'd like to two. see that but i'd also like to see a unicorn yeah, right exactly. like that's that's where i was thinking with that i'm like yeah that'd think... be that'd be nice yeah. but is it realistic uh... yeah i don't see it happening no i don't think so either. but i still would love i love the possibility because it's so scrappy right now but yeah I, and and i think that what i what i love about this season so especially so far is you know we do have those six teams in the midfield. So finishing P11, P12, 13, before is kind of like, you're not doing good. Really, that's anyone's game now, too. Is this how right? we're starting our fantasy F1? By choosing the, the crappy P12? We, we, just, like, we just choose two, two drivers. Uh, you know what? Here's an, I will, if, we do, if we do do the fantasy... fantasy uh, you've uh, spoken for yours. You, who, you've got who, the unicorn. Did I? Did I? Those? I'm not saying that those. <laughs> we won't hold you to it. But if if the F world is doing, okay, mine aren't that much more believable. I'd yeah. like to see Alonzo and Botas. So that's the, the <laughs> that's that's, but that's, my that's believable though. <laughs> With the safety car, some crafty maneuvering, and um and maybe like a good DNF or so, I can see Bot I can see Botas taking a podium again. But not maybe not a race win. Yeah, a podium, s- sure. Okay. A race win, I'd be very, yeah. very surprised. There'd be some highly extenuating circumstances yeah. there. I think you'd have to see a Max Verstappen crash. Yeah, at that point, because but I feel like if if Max doesn't crash, if he, even if if it has a bad pit stop and puts him to fifteenth, he's still probably going to get a podium with that car. Yeah, yeah, sure. It's as you're as right. As it's as that yeah. it's that good. Um, to answer your question, will we see a surprise winner this season in Formula One? I think so. I think we see one almost every season. 
Yeah. Uh, last season, for me, the surprise winner, of course, George Russell in the Mercedes mm-hmm. in Brazil. The season before that, I think there were two. We had Danny Rick winning for McLaren, and Ocon had his first win in uh, 2021. So I think there's always a surprise so, winner. Yeah, I think we'll have one, at least one again this year. Um, I'm not sure who that's going to be just yet, but right. uh, it could be Alpine. It's could be Aston Martin. Um, to I, me, if if uh, either of those teams win, that's a surprise to me. See, I would say that if Lance Stroll wins for Aston Martin, hmm. that's the surprise. I think I think we could probably get if if, if they keep it. If Aston Martin's keeping things on the ground for Alonso, the team has always said this is not the end car. We are developing still. Sure. We are coming at things. We know what we're we know what's the different. What's going to get us the difference, and especially if this whole rumor of the Mercedes board saying give them the powerful engines if uh-huh. they're if they're winning and we're in development, uh, which we will talk about later. Um, then who knows? So I could definitely see Alonso getting a win if he if it, with the right track. Yeah, I'd love right to see it. I, yeah, you know me. Um, I always hedge my bets just a little bit bigger, and I'll just say <laughs> you know Aston Martin. But uh, you like to be more specific, and I admire you for it. Yeah, if you're Thank calling, you. uh, if you're calling uh, Fernando. Well, I, I hope it's true, too. But yeah. I, all I'll say is that, yeah, I definitely think we'll see a surprise winner. Maybe Alpine, maybe someone from Aston. Um, outside of that, I, I really don't think you'd, you'd see um, anyone from uh, Alpha. Williams, no, of course. Um, Alpha Tauri, no. Could you imagine? Um, McLaren, Could- no. I mean, even Ferrari now, I'm questioning if we're going <laughs> to see them win. But yeah, I sure, I I sure gonna, hope you do. I going to say. Let's 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 talk Ferrari then. Okay. Let's let's talk let's talk the the prancing stallions, the the fan the old not. the old family. That's what they're called. Okay. You know what? That's, <laughs> know. Yeah. It's a beautiful logo. I, you got to give them the credit where credits due. Um, so Ferrari and and Fred Vasseur, uh, recently as in and I say recently as in once I scroll up here on it, um, <laughs> as of. What are we looking for? I, I have this. I have, a, I have a news. For? I have a news thing on formula1.com. Okay. As of six hours ago. Okay. Uh, the story. Uh, story Has it been fired. Out. No. The, breaking uh, news. <laughs> the breaking news that dun, 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 dun. The, the title is why Vasseur is completely convinced that Ferrari's car concept can compete with Red Bull. Now, to me, that that doesn't necessarily mean this season, but just the concept and philosophy of what Ferrari is going for sure. is sound. Is and that we're all just the headline. That's just the headline. You love to have a long headline in in, uh, in this. No, but. I I love it. I love it. It's a it's a very if it's a very smartly well, worded headline. Yes. If if we if we want to make an easy question, we could just ask: Will Ferrari win more or fewer races this year than last year? Last year <laughs> they won four. Are they going <laughs> to win more than four this year? I would like them to. Mm-hmm. I don't think they will because and only not because of the problems in Ferrari, just because Red Bull's that damn good, right? Right, and but I think that I think that this is going to be a really big season for Ferrari's internal development. You're already starting to see that Fred's willing; he's been given the 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 go ahead by the, the the owners. And again, you got it for context, listeners. You got to know that Ferrari has so much old blood and so much old philosophy in their racing this is a team that's been around since the start of formula one in the 50s since the start of what would become the f1 engine in the 20s and 90s 
twenties uh, and thirties, sorry, and and even arguably before that, before they even were a company, them and Re- them Renault and Mercedes were like the three engines that started this league. So they have a lot of culture and heritage writing. There's the reason why the Tafosi are called the Tafosi because it's the Red Rage, the fanatic. That's their word for fan and and red. So. There's a lot of pressure on Ferrari all the time. I think we're always going to have to bring up that context. So with the ownership kind of giving Mattia Bonato the the rule of you have to give us race wins. He delivered them race wins, Mm -hmm. not enough race wins. And especially with 16 poles in 2022, the concept was sound. You had arguably the best car until Imola, really? Uh, sure. Last season, they had Imola, and then everything kind of crumbled apart. And that's including and Monaco, especially after Monaco, you started seeing those problems. And so, for Fred Vischer, Vischer to come in and be given the the go the okay to essentially cut the pieces he thinks he needs to cut and replace them with what he feels he wants in his team, which, from the sound of it, Mattia Bonato, and I'm not clear because there's been no in my research there's been no clear answer. He either didn't have that capability for a while, and it sounds like not a lot of team principals since the Turbo Hybrid era came in had that ability to do this, or Minato was given the ability throughout the season last year to build a race-winning and championship-winning team, and he chose not to do it because he had been around with these people for so long. Minato was with Ferrari for almost 30 years as, an, as a technical thing, and he built and designed a good car in that. So he either had this and didn't use it, or he never had this ability that now Fred has. Where do we go from here? So here's my thing. couple things with all the context and history and, and lovely spiel that you just gave is if we look at the way the car's been developed, right? They took some risks. They went with the mentality, and even they admitted that they went with the mentality that they were going to go for high performance until everything's locked in because then they can change things for reliability, right? Mm -hmm. Which is kind of what they were banking on, which is why after Imola, the car wasn't holding up on the reliable stance, right? And they had to dial it back. And looking at that, looking at the the fact that the very first joke that was cracked on this podcast podcast before races even began was i brought a ferrari pen but i brought a second in case it broke down that was me i know the fact that <laughs> and that's true by the way with and it did it, it did. ran out of ink it just I ran out of it. ink it didn't break but ironically it ran out of ink and then and then the fact that lap one of q1 peace just comes flying off the car yeah right the, the, we we now have a DNF and another driver who's smart enough to just be like, no, I'm not pushing it because then I'll DNF too, mm. right? All this is telling me is that they just picked the wrong strategy and they might be a good contender after 2026 once they can shift things you don't, you, more, more freely. But right now, as they're locked into this high-performance, low-reliability car, I think that anytime they're going to try to push it for a win, they're going to break. You don't think that it will... You're giving them 2026, not 24, 25, another year of kind of like some development, but you're saying just like right to when the, right to the, the the next kind of borderline era jump. Yes. Then. And, 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 and the reason is they put a lot of performance into their power unit. It is locked in. 
but that is also a lot of the parts that are breaking down. Mm-hmm. Right. You can't, you can't make any changes to the, um, MGKU or, uh, to the MKUJ or the, M- I forget my letters. You know what? This is why I'm not dyslexic, dyslexic or I am, I don't know, but like to the electronic, uh, uh, recovery system. Mm, right. That, Cause that's the piece that broke down in the race. And that's a piece that's locked in. Yeah. But right? you don't... That's a piece of the power unit that is locked in. Yeah. So they can't make great changes to that. They've they've maxed it out on on performance and they they've thrown reliability out the window, which is not an uncommon strategy when these um freezes show up, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we've seen Mercedes do it before, we've seen all the the top teams do it before. But sometimes it doesn't pan out and you got to wait for the next rotation. Yeah. Red Bull did it in 2018, 2019. That's what made them switch to the Honda engine Yeah, uh, for a time from Renault because they kept boosting all that performance to get them a championship. And then they just had to switch to a better, more reliable engine provider. Yeah. And then, but like specifically the R- the ERS, the electronic recovery system, is that what we said? Yes. Energy was, recovery system. Energy, energy recovery system. There you go. That was the piece that caused Leclerc to DNF in Bahrain and they, they had one that was faulty and then before the race they replaced it and, and listeners so there's there's certain parts in, in engine parts and with F1 you're only allowed to have a certain amount of changes and those two changes in rules and regu- rule regulations change up pretty much per season up until really last season which is why last season was so revolutionary because before you could have three or four different power units that you can swap in and out throughout it that's what like red uh, mercedes sorry had something that they deemed the spicy engine which was something that was potentially a little bit less reliable but gave a hell of a lot it's of a performance yeah but i mean i think that was total when um <laughs> when um that was brazil they changed uh hamilton's power unit uh in brazil when he had that was what made him have so much so many placements and he's like and that's why they were confident because that's the engine that's going to perform and going to get us a win oh sure i'm just saying the name itself spicy engine mm. makes me feel like you got to be running for alpines pepto-bismol yeah nice. but <laughs> yeah there you go. That's a, yeah, the pepto-bismol car there you go um so we know that these have always been in rule, past rules and regulations they've always been allowed to be changed out and and you take good penalties for this clara already has you were saying marion she was saying has a five potentially five position grid penalty because They've put. They're now on their third ERS. Is the jury only, out on that? I'm not sure. I've been, I don't. I haven't I, found I, yet. I think that Ferrari is contesting it, but the idea yeah. is because they're on their third, that um he has a a five spot penalty for the grid, yeah. um meaning that if he qualifies, you know, fourth, he lines up at ninth. Yeah. Um, for those who are unfamiliar, which, you know, my my kind of take on that is if it makes it that they put a reliable part in there, which I don't think they have a reliable part to put in there, but if they did and they put it in and Ferrari's all that it's meant to be and everything they promise it to be, then I don't think uh, a five, a five point grid penalty is going to affect them. Right. If it's everything they promise, unfortunately it doesn't sound it. It doesn't look as good as they make it sound. Right. They they they've come out of the gates with, you know, we're projecting 30 horsepower increase this uh, this season because we fixed the reliability issues. And again, lap one, Q1 piece comes flying off, which I realize Mm -hmm. is not a piece that's necessarily, you know, 
affecting the performance all that much, but it just speaks to the reliability of the car. You feel like, and, and the nose like pucking, right? And, and the structural integrity that's just in question for these cars. I think that they, like Mercedes, have hedged some pretty bad bets with their strategy on development. And there's certain amount of development they can do in the next two years. But realistically, this is all one really bad learning experience for both the teams into what not to do for 2026. And hopefully they'll come out the gate with a different development strategy, developmental strategy. Is that the right term? Sure. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and yeah, so I don't, I, th- I don't see them coming out of this greater midsection that we have. Not, not until 26. Not so. until 2026. Okay. That's, that's a bold uh, prediction, a bold statement. Um, not outside the realm of possibility, unfortunately, given what Ferrari has shown us over the past few years. They have a, a very, very good ability to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, um, usually through strategy calls, but also through reliability. Um, for a bit of context also, because you, you were giving some great context about Ferrari, so, and all, of course, everything you said is true and correct. Um, Ferrari road cars used to exist to make money for Ferrari race cars. That was Enzo yeah. Ferrari's stated objective. He said, we build and sell these road cars to pay for our racing. And I don't think that's the case anymore. And in fact, I can almost say that I know that's not the case. Because in 2015, Ferrari went public. They are a publicly traded company. Mm. And so therefore they have shareholders. They have a board of directors to answer to. And so I think, and I don't know, Ferrari's F1 problems started before 2015, but I think that didn't help. I think, you know, Ferrari's last uh, winning driver was Kimi Raikkonen in 2007. Yeah. Won the driver's, constru- uh, driver's championship for Ferrari. The next year, Ferrari actually won the Constructors' Championship in 2008 when Lewis won his first drivers, and that was a heck of a season, 2008. Those two seasons were... 2007, 2008? Because, yeah, because Kimi only won the 2007 one, and I think this is kind of important. He won it for very good driving and very smart driving, Yeah, but because Fernando and Lewis were crashing each other out. Right, (laughs) right. And and kind of screwing their own team out of the points. So I, I feel that... All the pressure that Ferrari has, which they do because of their historic nature. They've been in the sport the longest. They've won the most Constructors' Championships at 15. I know you did credit that to Williams uh, when you had your brother on, but he actually corrected you. Thanks for that in the earlier uh, broadcast. (laughs) You had said that I had said that Williams had the most Constructors' Championships. Outside of Ferrari. Uh, Okay, but then you did say 15, which was the Ferrari number. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I appreciate you, man. Looking out I for love me. Love it. Thanks, Reese. So all, but he corrected you. He did. He well. did. Yeah. yeah. So all that you is to that. say, there is a lot of pressure on Ferrari. Yes, uh, that pressure hasn't gotten any less, and in fact, probably more so by the fact that they're a publicly traded company. Their goals in F1, of course, are to win, but there's just so many outside pressures. I'm going to say Ferrari will win the exact same number of races this year as they did last year, and that is four. Four. I can respect that. I, this I, year, Ferrari will win four. I can, yeah, I can see that happening. I, uh, I agree with that one too. Um, yeah. I'm not sure I agree, but I'm not sure I disagree. 
Well, I still think less. That's I'm, fair. I'm, it, it has to be one of those things. Right. No, I, I think <laughs> I'm, I'm comfortably on a very narrow fence at the moment. Well, do you think it's, it's more or, or fewer races? Then? Definitely not more. No. Definitely so not then, more. But it's, it's, it's hard to tell. I feel like last year um, they had some wins. They, they, they won the first two of the first they won two of the first three races last year they won race one and race three they did but it's after that that the reliability issues started and they're already on a rough start this year with that so it's yeah. it's i think it'll be less fewer I think, than four I, all I right i think i think i'll take you guys up on that yeah. i'll say fewer than four and it's because last year they didn't know they were going to have the reliability issues and they were pushing it and the car withhold a couple races before really starting to break down I think that this year it's already started to break down. We're um, yeah, I think like, <laughs> we're already there. <laughs> I think I think two, but two going to Leclerc. No, I'd say Sans if anything. Science, yeah. Well, here's here's why, right? Is that Sans? Science. Science. I am so bad with names. Yeah. I've, so I've far, no, right? It's the pneumatic <laughs> with the P. I know. Um, it's. He he seems so far to be the safer of the two drivers, mm-hmm. the more reserved, right? Which doesn't usually bode well. Usually you've got an aggressive driver and a yeah, reserved driver and you've sure. got like Verstappen and Perez, right? The two different driving styles and Verstappen comes out on top. But with an unreliable car, this is where we're going to see the reserved driver, n- not the reserved driver, the driver who is reserved Mm -hmm. in personality come out on top because he's not going to want to push it past what he knows is the breaking point. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that Leclerc always know where, where that line is because it's not evident with Ferrari. Mm -hmm. And And he, and he just wants to win and he wants to win. And so does Sands. But like I said, it's just different driving strategies or or personalities. Also an interesting point. You're right. I would agree with you in that Carlos Sainz is um, less outspoken than a lot of drivers and maybe more so than than Charles Leclerc. Leclerc, to me, when he makes mistakes, really seems to take it hard. Yeah. And I think he needs to be able to, and I think he's made some strides in this, but he needs to be able to have a thicker skin in that regard. Um, I think Carlos Sainz, uh, an important point here to, to recall or to remember or to point out is that he had his maiden victory last year in yeah. Silverstone. He mm-hmm. was one of the four. Ferrari won four last year. One was Carlos Sainz. It was in Silverstone, uh, his maiden win. Yeah. So he's finally won a race. He's won a race for Ferrari. So, you know, that's sort of the dream is to be an F1 to win and to drive and win for Ferrari. I mean, almost any driver will tell you that. Mm-hmm. So he's done that. So I hope he's hungry for more. I hope he has the sort of uh, internal stamina, if you will, to to be a bit more aggressive, to take advantages. He's certainly a smart driver. I think he proves that all the time. Yeah, I think he's definitely arguably still the most consistent and best in the rain. Yeah, Lewis pretty sharp in the rain too, if yeah. I'm being honest. But Lewis and Verstappen are. Um, I think after yeah, Lewis and Verstappen, I think after yeah. Lewis and Verstappen just call sites. Yeah. It goes science for yeah. pure yeah. for and talent talent wise. For anyone who doesn't know, his father is a, a very rally. very very well accomplished rally driver. So maybe yeah. maybe he's picked up some of that you know fish tailing and uh, oversteer from his father. Which, which I heard, uh, I think it was I was reading something where or uh, Carlos Sainz Senior, his father, mm-hmm. was like I was ha- I was happy that he would, I would love him to be a racing driver, 
but I was happy he did not do rally. I didn't want him to be a rally driver. Right. Well, I wanted him to be something else. And I think that's, I think that's also because it's not, he, I think it's more about kind of like, like kind of like Meryl Streep in a way where her daughter is, is a, is an actor, but Meryl Streep is kind of saying like, I don't want her to, if she becomes an actor, don't use my name. Mm. It's not fair mm. to have that kind of like, to live up to, to live up to that, to that. And if you're co- going into a rally with a multiple and one of the best. Oh, that was the reason for the name. I thought maybe for the danger or something that he didn't want him to go into rally. Maybe, but like, if you think about it, like, like the, the pressure of being sure, a multiple. To live up to that name to live in the same sport. Whereas you yeah. fi- if you find your own way in another, it's still car racing, but yeah. in another sport. Oh, fair. Go. That's interesting. Pretty, that yeah. could be it. But it's, it's interesting you went to Meryl Streep and not um, Stephen King and Jonah Hill, but. Wait, uh, is Jonah Hill Stephen King's son? What are you saying? No. What? Yeah. He is? Yeah. No, he's not. Is he? <laughs> Jonah Hill. Is no, Steve- not not Jonah Hill. Um, the author Hill, or I'm we'll having right a back. blank. Yeah. <laughs> I'm still having a blank. Not the actor. Not Jonah jo- Hill, though. No, no, not the actor no. Jonah Hill. Okay. There's uh the I got to look okay, up. Okay, well, get back to us. Yep, uh, I will get back. This I mean, get named confused. And, that, and that's why Taryn didn't use that example. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Meryl Streep is just the queen of acting. Joe Hill. It's oh, Joe Hill. Okay. Well, that's pretty close to Jonah. Know, Fair enough. I Good know. on you. Yeah. you Joe yeah. Hill. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, a, a question that our last guest Reese uh, posed to yeah. us was, if this is happening with, uh, let's say even Ferrari gets their the reliability stuff correct, right? They're getting that going in. You're getting these like ups and downs with Leclerc and science and everything. Especially if you know, you're going through these struggles with, with yeah. your power unit. Yep. You have a driver who's being reserved and reliable, but you also have... Um, Leclerc, who is very talented, I think Reese gives him a little unfair rep where he kind of goes, he's nowhere near the talent that Verstappen and Hamilton is. Mm. I think Leclerc just hasn't had a chance to really showcase that because yeah. I think he's shown how wily and clever he can be with with short overtakes and using his position. Sure, um, but who do you give that top driver seat to? Yeah, it's a good question, and I I thought that you made a good good argument for science in that uh, episode with your brother. Uh, but I feel that, and I agree with everything you said, I just don't think the team would agree with you. I think that their number one driver is Leclerc. I think that's pretty clear. And I think actually the new uh, principal there, Vasseur, actually cements that because of their relationship, you know, going back to Sauber and, and outside different formula as well, so outside of Formula One. So I, I, think, I think Leclerc is their golden boy. I think he's their chosen one. Um, and that, yeah, I, I don't think it's science, although you made some great arguments for why it should be. Okay. So we got Leclerc. I was, a, I was a science guy and I forget what you said. Were you science too? Were you? I'm for this season. Yeah. Yeah. For this for season, this season cool. I'm, I'm science and, and just because Leclerc is the more aggressive of the two. And I'm not saying that science isn't hungry for a win. I think all the drivers are, um, but he's a more controlled and smart driver. And and not that also makes it sound like Leclerc is not control. He has control, obviously, but it's just again the just the two different driving styles. Leclerc's driving style is not compatible with an unreliable car. Mm-hmm. That's it's, the, it's, yeah. it's it's just not. Yeah. Right. And would they both have a very reliable car? Then yes, I think Leclerc would be the golden boy. But um, as it stands, with Ferrari kind of being iffy on the technical aspects i think signs has um a more controlled response to that kind of a challenge and knows when to dial it back 
to be able to finish the race instead of pushing it, mm. right? I don't know about Leclerc. To be fair, that's not what happened at Bahrain, right? Um, what seems to have happened is a lot of, well, first of all, the ERS that they put in might have been already faulty when they put it in, as well as the wiring was loose, and with the vibrations of the car, it just came undone. Yeah. Right. So I don't know whether it was human error or not. They're thinking there might be a case for that. Regardless, it wasn't Leclerc's fault. But I do think that when it comes to the car giving feedback and being like, oh, I don't know that I can push this much for uh, much more forward, Signs is going to be the guy who's going to listen to that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, for this season, I'm thinking Signs. We're getting up near near the end, and I know we. Uh, I had mentioned, sorry, that we were talking about Mercedes and their concept restructure because now the big story is that Mercedes has kind of admitted that their concept is wrong and they need uh-huh. to change that. Um, I think that we don't necessarily have to. There's so much to unpack in that, and I just don't think we have enough time for this episode, but I think that's going to be, especially after Jeddah, we're going to have a clearer picture because, again, it is race well, one. It, it depends what car is going to show up in Jeddah. <clears throat> if it's last year's. Bahrain, or if it's last year's uh, preseason testing car from day one, which was a traditional side pod, uh, that would be a surprise. And I, that's what they seem to be I, hinting towards. Not that they would go back to that car, of course, but drop the uh, zero side pod philosophy. Yeah. I, I'm interested. But that's huge. Yeah, I'm interested to see. I think we're going to see a massive change like that in, at Emila. I think we're going to see some bigger, like maybe With a some, new driver. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, I winked. I winked to Taryn as I said that. No, wouldn't that be it? If Hamilton <laughs> retires <laughs> mid-season, they bring oh, back God. the old car. Hamilton retires. I don't even know who the, yeah. uh, the is it. Is it Mick Schumacher? Maybe is there a reserve driver? Mick, yeah. Yeah. Right, he's their yeah. official reserve driver. Yeah. I would, oh man, could you imagine if just Mick Schumacher and George Russell in the Mercedes for the second half of the 2023 season? Yeah, I would. <laughs> but I, I would say this: I would love Mick to come in uh, this weekend on Jetta. Just Hamilton or George kind of says, uh, Lewis or George kind of go, eh, I don't want to race this one. Mm. I want to see what happens with Mick. Because Mick had that tor- terrible crash, which pretty much, I would argue, one of the many that cost him his career at Haas. At Haas, yeah. I would love him to come in with, and Mercedes and just smoke the Haas. I and, totally like, forgot just about Haas. so be so petty. Mm. I mean, everyone did. Well, but, <laughs> you know, but to, to the thing, I don't think we're going to get like a massive major concept package upgrade mm. from, Merce- from Mercedes until Imola because that's the sixth race. We've yeah. done the street circuits. We're back onto a track. We, you know, we do that. But um, I think we're definitely going to see some like difference in concepts and, and parts. They have, from the beginning of the W14, they've said, we have, we have upgrades in mind. I think it's just going to be a question of what concept do they follow, do they follow through on, and, all of us, and, and like whose input do they listen to the most? Well, if you ask Hamilton, you know who it's not. It's not his, yeah. <laughs> if you ask him. But that leads me to, because uh, I think there's so much we could talk about Mercedes that we'll just run out of time. And then, okay, fair and enough. Then, but I wanted to get to a quick conversation, because that is, and that is the Jetta circuit. Because it's a fun one. It's a fun, it's a little, it's a neat one for a street circuit. Everyone has problems. Street circuits always have little problems with kind of bumpiness, riding, um, and, and how the roads kind of click click together. Um, and Jetta was specifically designed for to not really have those same problems, be a fast but technical street circuit. And lots of curves, lots of G-force changes and sudden G-force changes we see. And the biggest thing has always been that it's very, very narrow. 
and and you have to be committed to your lunges when you go into corners. However, that stuff hasn't changed too much, but we are getting some track change ups this this uh they're changing the layout. Not so of much Jeddah? Not so much the layout. Cuz they did to Spain, they they took out the chicane and made the last corner Similar fast things. again. So okay. that's that's kind of like what they're doing. So um, the, they've added more rumble lines to certain corners so you can get more speed out so you don't have to be so quick. They've widened parts of the track, especially in turn 14 and turn 20 where the biggest crashes were, I think. Mm. I think 14 or one of those two was the uh, Mick Schumacher crash coming out of a high-speed corner, mm. and the other one was where Norris bumped in mm-hmm. uh, a couple times. And so there's always been some sort of crash at Jeddah because it's such a technical circuit yeah. which is really fun now we got some changes on 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 here we where's the picture track yeah so 14 has been turned into like a slightly more straighter okay. kind of corner yep. rather than a fast one they've reprofiled the corner yeah they've, yep. re, re, they've reprofiled uh like two or three of the corners like even turns one two three and into four are a bit changed up you have a really start you do come in with a really tight chicane in from turn one into two, turn two and a, and a fast g-force switch but we're still seeing 27 corners, which is nice. Uh, Sorry, 20, 27 turns into high speeds. I just kind of want to get your thoughts because that's a type of track that Alonso is really, really favored yeah, for. Yeah, technical, because of, sure. Because he's mm-hmm. doing it. And that brings into the question of Perez and defending. Yeah. Like, obviously, we're probably going to see Max have a good qualifying. But what what storylines are you looking right. for into Jetta? Well, right there, you hit the nail on the head for me. Because if you talk about Jetta, if you talk about Max Verstappen, I go back to last year where he won the race but qualified fourth. And he qualified seven-tenths behind the pole setter, his teammate Perez. So um, that's one to watch, of course. Um, The other thing that I'll be watching is the times themselves. And I remember commenting about this uh, on our first inaugural episode talking about Bahrain where their Q2 times in Bahrain qualifying were already faster than last year's pole times. And so I'm, I'm curious to see if that also happens this year again um, at the second race at, uh, at um, Jeddah. Jetta. Thank you. Yeah. And so last year's pole time was a 128.2, and that was uh, Perez, a 128.2. That's the time they set on pole last year, so look for that. Uh, if that pops up in you know Q2, then we'll know they're on, on track, pun intended, for faster <laughs> times this year. So for me, it's to see... Uh, if last year, and I forget what it was, was it a mistake by Verstappen? Was it a car problem? Was it just that Perez happened to outdrive him that day? But seven tenths is actually a pretty big spread, I think, between teammates. So it leads me to believe there was some extenuating circumstances there. Nevertheless, that's what I'll be watching. Who will be qualifying? Where will it be in the position? Will it be Perez shining again? And what will those times be again? The time to beat 128-2 was last year's poll. Marianne, do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I feel like Alonso is going to do really well. I feel like <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like a track like this with with just the the amount of turns and and everything and not really sharp ones like there are the two really sharp ones, but everything else like I feel like this is going to be a fun one for him. Mm-hmm. Do you think he's going to do better or not as good as a a, a podium? You know, Bahrain was a podium. It was, I think, somewhat unexpected, right? I think it was because of Leclerc's retirement. Had it not been for that retirement, he Alonso wouldn't have been on the podium. Do you think he'll be up on the podium again? I do. All right. I hope I'm, you're right. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do cheer you, for for that. Do you think it will be on a podium though because of a retirement or a DNF? Hmm. Because Jetta always has had the last two. It's only been in for two years. Always has a DNF. 
I think this and whole season's going to have DNFs. Yeah, which is going to be really so fun. More safety it's, cards. It's, it's definitely going to be fun. Um, yeah, I don't know if it's going to be because of a DNF. I hope not because I truly do believe that Alonzo in a car that he enjoys driving is is something to be feared, mm-hmm. right? And I feel like it's a little... <laughs> disvalidating or unvalidating i don't know there's an english word for this but like the opposite of validating when um when we go oh yeah he got podium but leclerc dnf'd mm-hmm. yeah i, I it didn't is mean to mean. take away from that but it, it's just the fact i mean it, even it fourth even fourth i think he would have been happy with i uh, think his comments would be the same he would have I think, cheered like it was first exactly there was oh, yeah. a lot of anticipation about how good that car could be but even if they had finished fourth I think that would still surpass their expectations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I didn't mean to take away from his accomplishments yeah. at no, all, no, but just wanted to keep it real. See, but it, but that's the and reality, and, and so that's why I hope that it's not because of a DNF. And also, I, I, I want him to get on the podium just because I really like his narrative. And I, I love your line, Alonzo driving a car that he likes is something to be feared. And I would argue that even Alonzo driving a car that he doesn't like can still be feared. He's yeah, that good. He's, he's it can still be feared. Guy. I feel like it's a different kind of fear. <laughs> <laughs> fair enough. Feel, good point. I feel yeah. like at that point, if you're his teammate, you ha- fear for also your safety? have to be yeah, feared. Fair yeah. enough. Fair enough. Yeah. yeah that's and you, know. your thoughts, Jetta? Jetta, yeah. I, I think we're going to see definitely Verstappen won. I think it really comes down to qualifying because I think that if, if Alonso can qualify P3, P4, he's got such a good spot to fight. For P two, right? Yeah, it's he's he's fit well for it. Um, I can see it happening. I could even see maybe a surprise George Russell sneak in there, but I don't. I don't want to guess it. I think it's going to be another Red Bull one two or Red Bull one three with with Alonso fitting in there. I'm in there realistically, again. I'm gonna I'm gonna go the opposite here. I'm gonna be very specific, which is usually your your ploy. I'm gonna <laughs> say uh, Red Bull one two with with Max and uh, Perez one two. And sites for third. Ooh, that's, uh, I like that. That's a that's yeah. a healthy bet. If I if I had more faith in Ferrari's reliability, I would. Uh, <laughs> I'd agree. <laughs> Fair enough, but the fact that you don't means you won't. I get it. I get it. Well, then, like I said, Alonzo's just like struck me on a narrative chord where it's like I just want him. No, to I win. De- don't get me wrong. I I want to see that. I'll be happy if it happens, but I just don't think that it realistically will. So. That's uh, that's my pick for um, next fair. week or oh, for right. later this week. That is all the time we have uh, here on the F World. You can always find us on Spotify, the F World, on Twitter, the F World underscore Pod, and on Instagram, the F World dot Pod. Cheers. <laughs>